Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Now, when I uh, started this peace series, I did it, of course, knowing full well what had happened in Paris with the uh, tragedy of nearly 200 people killed, uh, knew that that would likely lead to other issues that, that take away peace, and then again here on our own soil in San Bernardino, uh, we had, uh, what was it, 13 people killed, another 14 people killed, another 17-ish injured um, by what is becoming clear to us, uh, terrorism. Uh, you know, it's just the, the, the words of uh, Longfellow's poem put to music that we'll sing at the end of the service. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, the, the line, there is no peace on earth, I said. Now, there's a glorious ending to that song, which is why we're singing that every Sunday. Uh, in December, that's why it's our closing song, but we just, it, it really seems like we need to stop. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar little carols play, you know, wild and sweet songs are peace on earth, but I look, I look around and there is no peace on earth, I said. That, that seems to be the case. If you, if you Google, and I did, Google peace of mind, just that phrase, you get 212 million hits. 212 individual websites that at least according to the Google algorithm have something to do with peace of mind. Now, you start looking at some of the websites, the top two, three, or four. Uh, the first one was Success Consciousness. Uh, the next one was TinyBuddha.com, uh, I guess if you want to go see the small Buddha, go to that website. Um, but clearly the, the world is looking for peace, right? We, we meet, uh, we don't, they didn't invite me. World leaders meet and, and they try to figure out how to have peace. And thankfully they've come up with the conclusion, stop global warming. Um, we missed that somewhere along the way, but that's what they discovered in, in Paris in the site of the attacks. Uh, well, if we could just cool the earth a little bit, everybody would cool off and cool out, I guess. I, sounds very hippie to me. Um, we want peace, and we just can't find it. And, and, and you know, World War I was the, the war to end all wars, right? If we, World War I, that's going to finish it. Then we're going to start uh, what, what came after World War I. Was it NATO? If we just get NATO... This will create peace. We'll be fine. Well, NATO didn't work out, but the United Nations, that'll do it. And wars and rumors of wars and conflict and pain and a very, very obvious lack of peace. We, we look for the wrong thing, though. See, I googled peace of mind, and it got 212 million hits. We're looking for the wrong thing. We are looking for a, a peace that is, that is superficial. 
that, is, that, it, that, that may cover a wound or two, cover an issue here or there, but it's not the kind of peace that, that solves things. Jesus was born to bring something more than just peace of mind. He was born to bring peace for life. And that's where we mess up. We're, we're trying to, to find a quick fix. We're, we're trying to, you know, end a war here or a battle there or te- terrorism somewhere else when, you know, for a, a, a certain amount of time, bombs may work and boots on the ground may do some good. But World War I, 101 years ago, was fought to end all wars didn't happen. So, so as, as in, you know, I'm not, this is not a peace sermon. I mean, yeah, it is, but it's not a no war sermon. That's not where I'm getting. But what I'm saying is wars have never brought continual peace. They bring temporary peace, but, but war will never fix the problem incursions, battle, neither will uh, placating and, and, and uh, you know, uh, um, oh, the Chamberlain was the, the uh, prime minister of England, and what was the word that he used to, to contain Hitler? He was going to, uh, y'all are no help. Okay, anyway, he was going to just, you know, if we just let Hitler, we just, containment, appeasement. That's the word. Appeasement. If we just let Hitler get some of his stuff that he wants, then he'll stop. If we're just nice to him, he won't kill people. Didn't work. See, we try to, we try to get peace from these superficial, unhelpful ways when Jesus is the only one that can bring true peace. Luke 2.14 is in the middle of the angels showing up. For fun, we'll, uh, we'll read that, that whole passage just, just so you can hear what happened. You remember the, the shepherds were there. Jesus has already been born. The shepherds in verse 8 are in the same region, staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, around the shepherds. One angel shows up, and the glory of the Lord surrounds these shepherds. I don't know how you paint that, but our, our pictures uh, kind of miss it, I think. Um, that's good. We got some glory around the angel up there in the left-hand corner, but it says the glory of the Lord surrounded the shepherds. I don't know what it looked like, but it had to have been pretty cool. Glory of the Lord surrounded those shepherds, and they were terrified. Duh. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Easier said than done, right? Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news. You know what that good news is in Greek? You know what that word is? Euangelion. And you're going, so? Well, it's the word that we transliterate letter for letter into evangelism. What's the good news? Evangelism. The the message of Jesus. That's the good news the angels were bringing. Good news of great joy. Well, yeah, I guess so. If I get to, you know, eternal life and, and all these other things he's, they're about to tell us, that, that is great joy. That will be for all people. Today, a Savior 
Evangelism. Who is Messiah? Uh, Evangelism. The Lord, Lord of my life, was born for you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Now, that's where the message ends. At this point, the angels are done really talking to the shepherds. They've, they delivered their message. Verse 13, Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying... Now, I don't know what multitude means. When Jesus fed the multitudes, it was 5,000. Host is army. So imagine looking up in the sky, you've got the glory of God surrounding you, whatever that means... You're looking up at this one angel who says, Hey, y'all, I know you're terrified. Don't be afraid. Um, Okay, I'll try. And then suddenly, after this message of evangelism, of of good news, of, of hope, of salvation through the Savior, the Messiah, our Lord, suddenly, 5,000 military angels show up. I'm thinking army. I'm thinking battle. I'm thinking we're done for. Right? I've already been told not to be terrified, and I'm okay with the glory and the one angel. But then 5,000, and I'm just using a number because of multitude, right? 5,000 military angels show up suddenly in my vision. I'm, you know, I turn to water, I'm thinking, at that point. And they... The heavenly host, praise God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. Now I'm going to skip ahead of my sermon here just a little bit and, and, and say, can you, okay, 5,000 military angels, a host, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, even if they're not carrying swords and shields and wearing angel body armor, uh, it's going to be pretty impressive. But I like to think that's how they're showing up, arrayed for battle, because battle is about to begin. And then, the part we're going to get to, peace on earth. I'm going to think, they're coming. They got 5,000. That's all they need to wipe out everybody that's a problem. We're going to have peace on earth, right? I mean, that, that's the way it looks. That's the way I would think. That's, that's my image anyway, flawed as it, as it may be. That's not, what is what about, that's not what is about to happen, is it? This heavenly host is not going to turn their swords on the wicked of the earth like they probably should have. They're not going to, to ride off or fly off or float off or hover off or whatever into battle and, and take out those that should be taken out. Instead, they start singing worship songs. It's a very short song. Two lines. Glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to people he favors. This is directed to God, and yet the shepherds get to hear it. So what are they telling us? Why did they want us to hear this worship song? They want us to see, first, the two directions of this verse. Now, you might not see it in in your Bible exactly right, but I've tried to put it on the screen a, a little easier for you to understand that these two lines 
parallel each other. I've talked about parallelism before. That's Hebrew poetry. You, you say one thing, and then you say, sometimes you say the same thing, only a little differently. Other times you might say two different things, but you get your sentence structure to match. And in Greek, that's what this does. And you can see it there on your screen. Glory in the highest heaven, because in the Greek, that's the way it says. We say glory to God in the highest, but the Greek word order is glory in the highest heaven to God. Peace on earth to people he favors. You see the, you see the parallelism? Glory, what? To God, in the highest heaven, where? To God, to whom? Peace, what? On earth, where? To people he favors. To whom? You see that parallelism? There's a point. There was a message. The angels are singing about something. Glory to God in the high, glory in the highest heaven to God. They're singing about something that happens every day. That's the glimpse we see of heaven throughout Scripture, is that God is constantly receiving praise, if not from us, then from the heavenly host. His multitudes in battle armor standing around him worshiping him. Constantly God is receiving glory. But more particularly, the angels here are saying that because of this birth, this little baby that we just told you about, wrapped in these clothes, lying in a feeding trough off in Bethlehem, because of that, there is immeasurable praise today, this night, in heaven. Why? Because all of heaven understood what was going on. So we know the glory happens. Then the angels say, peace on earth. Okay, angels, sure, there's glory happening in heaven. Got it. But do you not know Rome controls us right now? Do you not know the violence with which Rome rules this area? There is no peace on earth, I said. And yet the angels declare peace on earth just as surely as they declare glory in heaven. That's because they know if one happens, there's a guarantee that the other will happen. That's the beauty of this parallel verse. Glory in the highest heaven to God will happen, has happened, is happening, will never end. Therefore, peace on earth to men whom God favors will happen as well. It's a promise. It's a promise veiled in a declarative statement. They didn't have to say, I promise peace will come. They, all they had to say is, glory happens, peace will happen. There you go. And 5,000 battle-arrayed angels, the Bible doesn't say 5,000, the Bible doesn't say battle-arrayed, that's my image, angels say, this is going to happen. God brought the glory He'll bring the peace. God brought the glory. God's glory goes wherever He goes. God's glory is a result of God's goodness. And what greater example of giving glory to God or the, the glory due God than this baby, Savior, Messiah, born in a manger. See, the angels knew what was up. 
They knew something's going down tonight. They, they had a good, I mean, I, I think they knew. They knew this is salvation, Savior, Messiah. They knew their Bible. They knew their God. They knew what was happening. But it was, you know, there have been stories written about it and, 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 and fiction things about angels and that kind of thing songs uh, written about it. But I, I do, I love to think about the possibility of the angels standing on whatever cliff it is in heaven that looks down on earth going, is the baby there yet? Is he there? Is he? Oh my heavens. They, they don't even know what's coming. They don't know what they're getting tonight. I can't wait. We get to go sing to this, about this. That is the energy, the, the excitement we see of these angels with this announcement and worship mix. We do it in our songs, too. And, and, and I struggle with some of them because I just don't like some of the songs. But some of our songs are a blend of announcement and worship. As we worship God for what He's done, we're telling people about what He can do for them. And that's what the angels were doing. See, heaven is incredibly pleased with what God has done. Heaven is excited about what's going on. Heaven is a buzz, and that, that doesn't work. Uh, that, doesn't, that, that, that descriptor is not good enough, I don't think. You've been in places where people are like, just, they're really talking about stuff. Usually it's something bad, though. You know, you walk into the room and everybody's because they know something about you and, and then when you come in, they stop. It's not that kind of thing. It's not, it's not that kind of buzz. This is uh, not even nervous energy. Nervous energy would be, we know something's about to happen, but we're really we're excited about it, but it hadn't happened yet, so we're kind of waiting and we can't wait until it does. You know, Buddy the Elf kind of thing, um, waiting for Christmas. Um, no, this was, you walked into to heaven, and, and it was a party. It was a celebration because heaven knew what had happened. Heaven knew God's glory, God's good reputation. That's the word here. Glory to God in the highest, uh, in the highest heaven. Uh, God's good reputation. We're going to tell God about his good reputation. That's all praise is. We see praise as congratulating somebody. And, you know, I get a pat on the back. Good sermon, Michael. Underlying that is, last week's was awful. Did a good job this time. You know, that maybe not. Maybe you mean it. But, but, but isn't that kind of the, what do we base it on? We base a praise of today on failures or poor attempts, or even good tries from the past. That's not the kind of glory God gets. God didn't get glory this day because he had done something, you know, he had been trying to do this along but never got it quite right, and now they say, good job, God. No, it's, it wasn't that kind of thing. It was, this is the very thing we've been waiting for. This is a party going on in heaven because of God's good reputation. This event proves who God always was. So glory to God. Glory in the highest heaven. And heaven recognizes that this is an incredible event. Heaven sits there and, and worships God. All the while, God is in the flesh 
in a two-minute-old baby. Angels are smart. I mean, they, they are. They, they, they are. I, I, don't, I haven't known one personally, um, but they could probably pass the ACT, no problem. They knew their Trinitarian God that they worshipped. But I have to believe even the angels just kind of stood there and go, that's good. I mean, God right here and God there too. God in the flesh. That was, you did yourself. I mean, they had to have been impressed that God was in the flesh. And, 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 and they're not sinful, so none of them were thinking this. But, you know, if you've got a warped mind, kind of like I do, you're thinking one is just in the back going, he put on human. You know, have you ever had a cologne somebody wears you can't stand? Or perfume, you're like, oh, ugh, they wore. Ugh. For me, it was it was when I was in high school. It was Dracar Noir, and the reason I hated it was because I got a fake knockoff car freshener for my dad's 1976 Toyota pickup. There was no help in that thing, but. That's what I did. So it was nasty anyway to begin with. Then it would heat up in the day sitting in the school parking lot. I hated the smell of that cologne because of this fake stuff. I kind of feel like there was one angel maybe, um, or just for my fun, I, I wish there had been one going, God put on Drakkar. He put, because that's what he did. I mean, he put on nasty to be like our nasty he put on flesh, sinful, not in and of itself sinful flesh. We're not going there, but he took on humanity in the form of a human in order to relate to humanity. He took flesh that wants to sin and put it on himself. Now, there's a whole list of heresies that, I, that I'm getting close to, to, to talking about and, and, and actually espousing here. Uh, God didn't have this, you know, it was God, and then he whoosh, put on this human outfit, and then when he was done, whoosh, he took off the human outfit. That, that's not the way it worked. Jesus was completely God and completely man in a way we can't understand or explain. So it wasn't two things come together. It wasn't hand in a glove or anything like that. So don't say that that's what I'm, I'm telling you. What I'm saying is God did something he shouldn't have had to do. And why did he do it? Because he wanted to save people that he shouldn't have had to save. He chose to, to take on our humanity in order to save us from our sins. People who didn't deserve to be saved from their sins. That's what I mean by he didn't have to do it. We had earned every punishment we have for our sins because of our very sinfulness. God did not have to do anything, and yet he came, sent his son... I can, I can say that, right, because God and Jesus are one, but separate, so is the Holy Spirit, right? We're, we're, I'm not going to preach a sermon on the Trinity, but stay with me. I'm not saying God was no longer in heaven when he came to earth. That's not what I'm saying either. He was both places, and the Holy Spirit was still out there too, and yet they were still all three one. Yeah, completely easy to understand. Jesus came to save us. Me. Me. I'm not, I don't deserve it. I don't, 
honestly, I don't even really want it. Right? I mean, I want salvation now that I understand my lost state. But prior to my understanding my lost state and what Jesus has done for me, I didn't want salvation. I didn't really need salvation. What? That's nothing. I'm good, right? I mean, he knew. I mean, what's, what's, what's the verse? The best verse, I think, for understanding what Jesus did, what God did in sending his son, while they were yet sinners. But even not that one. While we were enemies of God, we were at enmity with him. And he came to save us. Oh. You know the angels were just floored. This incredible event where the Messiah has come. The Old Testament has led up to this day since, uh, since Genesis 3.15. Since the, the declaration to the serpent that he... Your seed will be at, at war with the serpent. And the serpent will strike the heel of your seed, but your seed will crush the serpent's head. That's bad, right? Striking the heel. Oh, that's painful. Oh, that's bad. But it's nothing compared to getting your head crushed. Who wins? The head crusher. And we see that at the cross. The devil struck the heel of the seed on the cross and thought he had done it. Oh, my poison is going to get him. My venom is going to get him. It's done. It's over with. I have won. And then three days later, Jesus crushed the head of that serpent by coming back. The Messiah, the one we have waited for, the hoped one, hoped for one has come. And what the angels understand is that the earth should recognize this as well. You should recognize God's good reputation and praise God for His good reputation because of what He's done, because of this incredible event, because of this very thing that right now a party is going on for in heaven. You should recognize that. And most will not. That night at that birth, this monumental thing that, that has heaven in a tizzy will call out, as best we can tell, four or five shepherds. That's who shows up when God came to earth. Now, wise men, we have a discussion, were they at the birth or a year or so later? They show up too. There, there, are, there are people that come together, but not nearly the number of people that should have been there that night should have known what was going on. So heaven is pleased, right? Glory in the highest heaven to God. His good reputation, we're going to spread that by praising Him for it. And then peace, they say, they tell us, is as real as the glory. It doesn't feel that way though right now, does it? Mass murders, terrorism, wars. But see, peace as described here, is a social order of well-being, prosperity, security, and harmony. There's more to this peace than peace of mind or, or good feelings or just the absence of war. This is a, a wholeness of peace. We want peace in, in, in pieces. <laughs> 
We do, that's what we want, right? We want a little piece here for this situation and a, a little piece there, but, but pretty much if we just be left alone, we'll navigate the rest of it ourselves. What Jesus says, what the angels tell us is that this is, this is a, a real peace that Jesus is going to bring, that this baby is going to bring. This is not something that just makes you feel better. This is not just getting Rome off your back. This is not just handling ISIS. This is an entire life-encompassing peace that we will have because of Jesus. It is as real as the glory that God is getting right now. And that peace will only come from the Messiah. Isaiah knew it. Isaiah understood this some 700 or so years before Jesus came. Isaiah said in, verse, uh, in chapter 9 of verse 7, rather, uh, what did I say? Five and six. Uh, for the trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. What a wonderful verse. These guys were good at writing what God told them to write. The trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah knew it was coming. Later on, he talked about it again in chapter 52 and verse 7. When he said, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald, the, the preacher, the person who proclaims peace, who brings good news, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Isaiah knew this peace was real. Isaiah knew this peace was coming. Isaiah knew as certain as the glory of God exists, the peace of God will also exist. Even in the midst of our darkest hour, even in the midst of our heaviest trial, God gives peace through Jesus. Amen, if you've ever experienced that. It does not matter what you go through. When Jesus is with you, you can have peace. I'm not saying that right then at that moment, I, you're not in turmoil, you're not wondering, but I do know for a fact that when you turn and say, God, where are you? He says, right here, and here's my peace. I can't explain that other than to say the angel said at the birth of Jesus, peace on earth. For whom God favors. They had that tag on there. I don't like that tag, personally. I want to go back to verse... Uh, let's see, where is it? Uh, Savior, verse 11. Today a Savior who is Messiah was born for you in the city. Let me go for, back a little further. Oh, here we go, verse 10. Don't be afraid, for, I, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I like that one. I don't like the for whom God favors, because then this sounds like, well, God's picking and choosing winners, right? I favor you, I don't favor you. You're good, you're not. Whom did God favor? Well, he favored everyone. 
That's the beauty of it. Now, there is, there's a line here from, from Old Testament to New Testament. Jews as the chosen people. Chosen why? To present, to, to, to create, to, to give lineage to this, this baby who was born. We talked about that last Christmas and, and the lineage in Matthew and Luke. We, we see the line all the way back. They, they were chosen not because they were special, but because he was special. So, so there's favor there, but more than that, we see the message is for everyone. It will be for all people. And then they give us this image of it. The shepherds, widely considered about as low as you can get on the job totem pole, maybe just above prostitute. Then they show up first at, at the manger. Not second, they're the first. They are the honored guests. Get there, here's your place. Then later on, at some point, the wise men, highly esteemed, show up. We see the two extremes that Jesus came for. The lowliest and the highest. And he came for everyone in between. The message is for everybody. Go and tell people and you know what? They, the shepherds didn't even have to be told that. You notice that? If you read on, you'll see they look at each other and say, well, well we got to go see this kid. This is impressive. I mean, army angel, angel army just showed up and sang to us. we got to go see this baby. They go see the baby, and what do they do? They found him. They see him. They report the message they were told about this child, and everybody who heard it was amazed. They went off telling people about this baby because they couldn't help it. The message was for everybody. The Messiah is for everybody. There is no one who is out of reach of the saving grace of Messiah. Nobody. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter who you know. Doesn't matter who you're thinking about. There is nobody outside of the reach. The problem becomes, will they accept that? See, there's peace for everybody. This peace that, Jesus, that the angels are talking about, this social order of well-being, prosperity, security, and harmony, that could be had if everybody would follow Jesus. Now, we're still going to be sinful, Michael. Yeah, you're right. But if we are always going to respond to our sin and other people's sin with Jesus, right now we don't do that. Peace is for everybody. The question today is, will you hear the message or ignore it? The angels sang it. They declared it. It was for you. Peace on earth. But will you be the one that God favors because of your response to him? Herod did not hear the message. Or he ignored it. He knew. The, the learned of Jerusalem, they knew, but they ignored it. They weren't at the manger. As a matter of fact, Herod wanted the baby killed if he could have his way. People reject this message, ignore it, every day. I'm afraid people reject this message every Sunday at First Baptist Church, Nixon. Hear it, and he'd say, well, this is not for me. Will you dismiss the provider of peace? Will you dismiss the message one more Sunday? Will you ignore the fact that you can have peace? See, God favors those who respond. He has not turned you away. He has not unselected you. Will you respond to Him today? See, Jesus is peace. Jesus is peace. 
Not your bank account, not your, 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 your job security, not your family. Jesus is peace. And you will only experience that peace when you give your life to him. That's the only time. That is the only way. Not until then will you ever experience true peace. Because here's the deal. If, if, if you don't accept Christ as all the peace you get on earth right now, the terrorism and wars and, and your, your issues at home, etc., etc., that's as peaceful as you will ever be because it only gets worse upon death without Christ. But if you accept Christ, you get peace through all of this. Everything that goes on, you have an unexplainable peace. Peace that passes understanding, New Testament says. Because of Christ in your heart. Which means everything that goes on now, you can have peace through. And one day, the lion lays down with the lamb. The, the bloody garments of battle will be burned for fuel. Because of Jesus Christ. Will you experience that peace today? Will you give your life to Jesus? It begins with understanding our relationship to God now. We are outside of relationship because of our sinfulness. The wages of sin is death. An eternal lack of peace. But the gift, this free offering from God, His Son, of eternal life, straight from the hand of God, through Jesus Christ. Confess our sins, admit to our sins, trust Jesus. It really is that simple. It really is that easy. Have you experienced peace? Have you, have you denied and ignored the availability of the peace? Today, trust Jesus, knowing that Jesus is your true peace. Let's pray. Father, God, thank you that you provided peace. That in the midst of, of whatever discouragement, disappointment, war, pain, sickness, evil, whatever goes on, Lord, we have peace through Jesus Christ. There is peace on earth right now just as surely as there is glory in heaven right now because of Jesus in our hearts. While the externals may deny and defy our, our, our belief in that peace, we know in our soul, in our hearts, a peace that we cannot explain. So Lord, I pray this morning that if someone here has never experienced that peace, today they will trust Jesus as their Savior and they will know that peace. Lord, speak to our hearts today. Let us be surrounded again by your glory and hear the message one more time of peace on earth and let us Lord experience your favor this morning by trusting Jesus as our savior and we pray these things in Jesus name amen so the really question is how do you respond this morning do you need to accept Christ do you need to experience that peace have you accepted Christ and you need to be baptized Maybe there's an obedience issue that you haven't followed in, and you need, to, you need to do that. You need to lead a life of holiness. Maybe you realize that the reason you're not experiencing peace, Christian, the reason you're not experiencing peace is because you are bringing turmoil on your life by your open, willful sinfulness. Maybe this morning you need to give that to Him. Maybe you need to be an instrument of peace 
and be used according to God's purpose instead of your own purpose. Maybe you need to join our church, be a part of what we're, we're doing here. Whatever decision you have to make this morning, you can come tell me about it. You can come pray about it. I will pray with you if you want me to. Maybe you just want to record it on a connection card and let me know that way. Whatever you want to do is fine. But as we sing this morning, stand and let's do business with God and offer Him everything that we are. Mm-hmm.